welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Hearing. Great to have you along. If this is the first podcast you've listened to, then great to have you along. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy what you hear. A uh, little bit different uh, this episode. We're going to be uh, chatting to a few people uh, about uh, some news that we brought you last episode. So if you haven't listened to the news from last episode, go back and listen to that. It's all about electric motorcycles. Joining us this episode, we have Todd Heslin, who we've talked to before, our res- resident racer. G'day, Todd. G'day, Ray. I wouldn't call myself a racer, but I'll take that as an introduction. Well, you're the closest thing we've got. You know, it's a, it's a full <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. No, that's fine. And Sam Baker from New Zero Land. If you haven't heard of New Zero Land, go to YouTube, type New Zero Land, and go back through the, uh, the extensive back catalogue of videos and learn all about electric bikes in the real world. G'day, Sam. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the free plug. Yeah, definitely go to YouTube, check out my videos. They're all yeah. really bad, but <laughs> yeah, getting better. I think I think you've got some good uh, production elements in those videos, and there's definitely a lot to be learnt, even though you're you're just having fun with what is obviously a passion, electric vehicles. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. So the news that I alluded to from last episode was, um, and it was in the latest Kiwi Rider magazine, uh, Ducati, Moto E bike was revealed. The uh, what was that called? The V21L. Uh, also, uh, FTN Motion have um, been in the news recently with their Street Dog, their cafe racer styled uh, scooter, for want of a better term. Um, and we've even tested, and if you haven't uh, checked this out, uh, we've tested the Go Charged Velociraptor recently. Um, so you can go back through the Moto NZ YouTube archive to check that out. And Triumph uh, released the final specs and finished the testing phase of their TE1 electric bike. Um, But I can really only bring you the information that's put in front of me. I wanted to talk to um, some people in the know as far as racing and electric vehicles go. Hence, Sam and Todd. Guys, um, firstly, actually, Sam, let's dive into your, uh, your electric vehicle kind of experience you started with as the name suggests a zero yeah mm, yeah yeah so actually about seven years ago i bought my first zero um and i had it here for about six years it was a 2015 zero sr and i feel like i feel like zeros are usually people's first electric like motorcycling experience because they're the cheapest and easiest to get and uh in the u.s they're the like they have dealers everywhere and so they're just the easiest to find and um, they're just, they're great little commuter bikes and uh, I, they're just not great for like racing and long distance trips. And so I ended up with an Energica, the, uh, the current Moto E racing bikes, um, which ended up becoming production bikes. Outstanding. So, uh, uh, and I think we, we, we shared your, the link to your recent uh, track escapades on the Energica. Oh, yeah. Evo Rebelli, is it? Uh, yep, Evo Rebelli RS for mine. The uh, just the the race race spec version with the um, the crazy like two point six second zero to one hundred um, tune on it. That's yeah. an incredible looking motorcycle, and um, and even better Thanks. to see uh, when it's in in full uh, anger anger mode on the track. Um, yeah. So. I mean, any listeners that haven't, uh, that aren't up to play, um, Google Google what it looks like. The the um, Energica uh, Evo Rebelli, they look fantastic. 
Um, so yeah, the news that we brought last episode was the new Triumph TE1. Well, it's not going to be a, a production bike, and then the Ducati V21L. Um, which is going to be the new Moto E bike from 2023, is it? So, yes. um, so Ducati took over from Energica. Um, I, I guess they're keeping it as a single manufacturer race. And uh, it's really interesting because Ducati, like this is their first entry into electric motorcycles and they're already one second faster per lap than Energica was. And Energica has been doing it for, I think, five years. So um It'll be interesting to see where they go with this. But uh, in terms of Ducati making production electric bikes, I don't think that'll happen with this, um, at least not in this spec. But I mean, we could talk about that later if you want. Yeah, of course. Well, that, I mean, that's what Triumph said with their TE1. Now it's finished the testing phase. Mm-hmm. A few random stats on that that I've picked up is zero to 100, sorry, zero to 80% charge time is 20 minutes. Um, 0 to 100 time is 3.6 seconds, 175 horsepower, 109 newton meters of torque, and 120 uh, kgs uh, curb weight or wet weight. Um, that sounds like mm-hmm. an absolute weapon, but how does that stack up uh, when you're comparing to, uh, you know, the Zero and the and the Evo Rebelli that you've had, you've been riding? Yes. Yeah, so, so weight wise, the Triumph and the Ducati are really close. They're both around 220 kilos, um, but the the Ducati has a bigger battery, so it has more range. Um, which you would think that would like the battery weight is usually the biggest thing, like the bigger, the battery, the bigger, the weight. So the Energicas are 260 kilos, um, which is crazy heavy, but they also have the biggest battery, like even bigger than Ducati. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, the way that Ducati gets around that is by making the battery case carbon fiber and the frame carbon fiber and like everything's carbon fiber. Um, which will make this bike insanely expensive if they ever decide to sell it as a production bike, um, which is kind of why I think it'll just stay as a race bike for now. Uh, but Triumph putting a smaller battery in it allows them to make it as light as possible. And they, I guess it's high voltage enough that they can charge in half an hour from full, you know, from zero to full, which is really impressive. Um, and there the Ducati is about 40 minutes, zero to full. Um, yeah, probably similar, similar style. I mean, Energica is kind of the same. It's about 45 minutes. Um, pretty much all the new DC fast charging bikes charge in about that range. Sorry, um, uh, just to, uh, back up that, that fact, the, uh, Ducati, uh, V21L is, uh, zero to 80% in 45 minutes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Sounds right. Um, well, yeah, so the Triumph has a smaller battery, so it'll charge faster. Um, but then it's, it's, it may be also higher voltage. I'm not really sure, but, uh, it's exciting. The Triumph is exciting because it's so lightweight and that's really what we're missing in the electric motorcycle world. Um, zeros are lightweight, but they don't have the range and they don't have the charging power. And so for Triumph to bring out this bike is, I, I see it as a way of, having an Energica that weighs the same as a normal bike and not, you know, a crazy heavy electric bike. Cause that's, that's really the issue with electric bikes now. 
I guess um, we're in a we're in a really strange time at the moment where this is new technology for so many manufacturers. They've all been working on you know internal combustion engines for a long time, and the maths is tried and true on that. If you want a fast bike, you do you know this engine size, this bore, this stroke, uh, and this much fuel and this much year, and it goes bang, and we go down the track faster. We are you're talking. You've mentioned uh, a little bit so far that um, different bikes have different voltages, different battery sizes, different I assume engine sizes sizes what is it that's that's what do we need to make a race bike or is this not a, a known factor yet uh well higher voltage usually means more power and so um i mean triumph has 170 horsepower is that right yeah, yeah somewhere around there i think okay let me All bring right, up so, my, let me yeah, bring up so, my um my stats again uh, and then yeah actually and then ducati's less right 150 horsepower yeah, so Ducati was 150 horsepower. The Triumph TE1 was 175 horsepower. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, cool. So the Energica is 169 horsepower. So it's a little less. Um, but then uh, the, the Ducati's uh, 140 newton meters of torque, where the Triumph is less, only 109 newton meters of torque. Oh, wow. Okay. And Energica is 215. <laughs> Which is just insane. Um, see, I, I was really excited about Triumph because with a smaller battery, it's less weight, but it's also less cost. And so I was expecting it to be cheaper because right now what the market is missing is a fast charging, like really high powerful um, or high, high power sport bike with fast charging um, for a price that people can afford. But from what the Triumph guy was saying, it's going to be like live wire money. Which is kind of sad. It's yeah, well, that TE1 is not actually going into production, is it? They're going to take what they've learned from that and go and create a race bike and then learn a bit more before they start putting technology into a road-going production bike. Oh, uh, okay. So this is going to be years then. That's, yeah. They, they, said, um, they said they weren't going to take it to production because it was going to be too, expen like, too expensive to the point that they didn't want to set bad expectations um so like mm. you, let's say it was going to be like an eighty thousand dollar bike like what's the point of putting that in production and handing it out because then you're just going to get everyone to go well they're all too expensive but in reality you, you it was only a special run so i i feel like triumph is looking at this looking at the t1 in the same way that ducati is doing their race bike and saying well okay we, we didn't win the racing contract but we're just going to build a really good bike as our prototype and we're going to use that to go kind of figure out what will be that bike that we can bring to production that maybe they'll be able to get the weight but not get the power or maybe they'll get the power but not the weight but they'll have to bring that cost down right so it's like build the goldilocks and then say all right now we're going to meet a price point how do we kind of compromise on the things that people won't care about as much as the other things but yeah, hey 220 kilos is light like our adventure bikes are 220 kilos and all that weight is up high like 220 down low. I, I know that probably sounds like a heavy bike for anyone that's like riding a sport bike that's like 160, 180. But like if, you, if you've ridden an adventure bike or a, like a sport touring, they can easily be 220 to 250. And sure, they're heavy, but like once you're kind of over that, if you're not lifting it up all the time, ah, you just get used to it. Like you just carry on. It's not even really a thing you think about. Yeah, 220 is definitely mid-range, mid-size adventure bike territory, isn't it? Like if you if you're talking yeah. the uh, the R250 GS, you're you're up at 250 easy. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, and all that weight's up high. So when you bring that weight down low, it's such a different feeling, uh, which is what the K- KTMs have always done that in the adventure world. They they would have similar weight, but they would push it really down low from putting the fuel down low or putting the engine down low. Um, and that would kind of give that sensation of, yeah, this is a lighter bike. Um, so yeah, like to be able to get an electric bike at 220, that's like incredible. Um, like, what did you say yours was, Sam? It was 260? Yeah, 260. Yeah, so it's like too, you'd be fine yeah. when you're up straight. It's just you would feel it more when you're like holding it on an angle, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, uh, well, on mine, everything's mounted so low. Like you said, like the motor and battery are mounted as low in the frame as possible. So it feels really nimble once you get riding mm-hmm. or when, yeah. once you, you know, at speed. But like maneuvering it around is really difficult just, you know, ar- around the driveway and stuff. Um, but zeros, zeros have always been lighter. Like mine was 188 kilos and the new ones are around 210. Um, they just don't have big enough batteries and that's, that's really where the weight is. So you, you talked about something in one of your videos. I don't know. I've seen like all of them. So (laughs) there was like, there was one section where you were talking about this kind of trade off between, do you try and build a bike with great range or do you build a bike with fast charging? And if you have to kind of have a trade-off, what is like a preferable option? Um, What what are your sort of up-to-date thoughts on the trade-off between the two? If you only can choose one, where do you think a manufacturer should go for um, to choose one and keep the price down? Uh, Well, that's, I think exactly what Triumph is doing is, is perfect because they're building something with not that much range. They say a hundred miles, which is like 150, 160 Ks, um, which is, I don't know. A lot of people complain about that, but, you can ride for an hour or two. Well, usually two hours and then it's time to stop. Like you know, you'd want to stop anyway. And if your stop is only 20 minutes, then that's awesome. And so I feel like that is the perfect range to, you know, have a small enough battery that your bike is still light and fun to ride. And then fast charging is the way to go. And what's especially the, in New Zealand. Oh, sorry. The, I was just going to say that the charging infrastructure here is so good that you don't need that much range if you can charge fast enough. Charging infrastructure in New Zealand, you're saying, is good. Um, And I feel like that's going to be a statement that internet warriors are going to disagree with. Can you you elaborate on that for us? What what makes it good? Oh, yeah. It makes it good because there's there's a charging station like every 30Ks, um, except for the West Coast on the South Island where there's nothing. But the rest of the country, man, there's there's stations everywhere. It's insane. Um, And then... The Tesla supercharger is about to open up so that everybody oh, really? can use those. Everyone with CCS. Um, in Europe and the UK and Norway, they're all like, they're all open. And so you can just, you can charge Energicas with those. Um, and, and those are cool because each location has like, you know, in New Zealand, there's four stations at each location and most, most countries, there's like 10 of them. So it's really no issue anymore. So is it is the network still growing in New Zealand? Sorry, Ray. No, oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like every couple of weeks there's a new station somewhere. Oh yeah, because cool. isn't there um like Z Energy um and yeah, ChargeNet. Yeah, uh, I think they yeah ChargeNet combined forces with somebody like last week, and so they're they're just gonna like dump a whole bunch of stations everywhere. Yeah, interesting. Because uh, I think I saw the announcement with. Zed, where they said like we're going to uh i think they're going to build their own like they're going to own their own chargers i'm guessing 
So all the existing infrastructure in Zed probably would get, actually, I don't even know how the licensing works in terms of who owns the actual physical equipment. Um, mm. But I saw the way I, I can't entirely remember the announcement, but I think there was between ChargeNet and Zed that were kind of going different ways. But the way I read that was that means more charges because it means Zed's going to want to run their own and kind of make money from people turning up and charging there. But then ChargeNet's still still going to be putting in new ones in new sites. I think that's how I read it. I don't know if I got that right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really depends on the the way you ride, I guess. Like if your commute to work is 100Ks each way, then you'll want, you know, a, a bigger battery. So something heavier like an Energica with the, that kind of range, like 200Ks of range is kind of what I get. Um, but if you want something light and fun, like most people, I think, then, yeah, you'll just want fast charging. 200Ks of range in the Energica. In, in that bike, your bike. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what, how, how far is your commute? Oh, Mike, I, I walk to work. So I just, uh, <laughs> I have the bike for fun. It's, it's just a toy. So, um, okay. it, it doesn't really make sense why I have a bike with that much range, but you know, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. All right. So what does it cost but you that, to fill the tank? So to speak? Uh, good question. It's, it's 20 kilowatt hours or 21.5 kilowatt hours. And so, we pay like 25 cents per kilowatt hour. So that's like, I don't know, four bucks, five bucks. Yeah, five bucks. Round it up. Five dollars a tank. Something like that. Uh, 200Ks to a tank. Uh, my current commute is 30Ks each way, 60Ks a day. I get 365 exactly Ks to a tank before it's spluttering. And that's oh, wow. costing me, uh, what did that cost me? $50, $60 last week. Oh, whoa. <laughs> So it kind, it's kind of a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the upfront cost is there, definitely. Energicos are really expensive. Electric bikes in general. I mean, there's a, a zero FXE on TradeMe right now for 20 grand. Um, there is. I've seen it. Somebody kinda, on posted it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, that, I mean, the, the cost of them is really high upfront. But then you think about all the maintenance that you don't have to do and and the charging that's, you know, a lot of the AC charging is free. Like you can go to the warehouse and they have charging stations that are just free to use. So nice. uh, you might not pay much more than that 20 grand, which is kind of cool. Hey, Sam, what do you think in terms of like which which rider segment is going to um, sort of be the the leading segment to really push electric motorcycles forward? So I'm thinking like track riding, urban riding, touring, I don't know if there's any other, but it probably is. Like, where, where do you think it's just, we're going to see a huge adoption because it just makes more sense? Uh, I, I think, well, definitely in the city, like commuting and stuff, um, commuters want to save money. And uh, sorry, I have a cat on me. Um, commuters, uh, it, it just makes more sense just because, you know, you, you use it daily. And so you save so much money and, uh, and it's just easier just to ride electric. But I think the next segment is probably touring. Um, because when I went to Italy, uh, like a month and a half ago to ride the new Energicas, that's all we saw, like big BMWs and KTMs and just, you know, touring people just riding everywhere. So that's, that's probably next. So the touring is going to be mostly a function of, um, if you've got the charging network, then you don't really need massive capacity if you're just doing, you know, normal touring because 
ultimately every 150 Ks you want to stop and have a coffee or whatever else anyway. Like the idea is that you're going reasonably slow. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, totally. Yeah. I guess probably compared to like, you know, the people that ride all the way across America in a day or something, or like all the yeah, way from insane. top of the South Island or something like that, that, that kind of crazy stuff. Like that's always going to be extreme, but most people don't do that <laughs> realistically. Yeah, like, they go for a ride and have a coffee. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to a buddy who has ridden around the world and asked him, you know, cause he's, he's really interested in going to lecture too, but you know, he was curious about the range and I said, well, you know, the new ones get about 250 Ks of range on the highway. So, um, you know, if you want to do more than that, then you have to charge, but luckily they have fast charging now. So you could, and he said, no, the 250 in a day is kind of the limit because you want to stop and see the places that you're riding through. You're not like just racing. Yeah. So yeah, like real, real tours don't really go that far in a day. You know, they'll, they'll take off a month or something. Yeah. And it's like that thing as well, like with say like sport bikes. Um, so if we go to like the more sporty thing, like if you, who can ride 150 Ks on a sport bike and not want to pull over and like just stretch yeah, a bit. Exactly. Cause like, <laughs> and you definitely want 20 minutes to plug in and just stretch your legs. So, yeah. um, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like I, I, I do agree that if you've got the charging network, once the once you kind of get a range to, I don't know, there's got to be some magic number. It might be like it's 200 Ks plus or minus 50, I guess. Um, mm. At that point, you, all you want to do is bring the cost down. Like instead of doing a bigger battery and more range, you just got to bring that cost down further and further um, because yeah, that's a, a realistic range, right? And if you can charge up quickly, then you can do kind of anything you want. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think a lot of people are worried about the charging because they think, oh, it's electric. It takes all night to charge. And so if it only has a 200 K range, then that's all I can do in a whole day. Um, and so they, they always want more. They want like a 400 K range or, you know, new BMWs do 600 Ks on a, on a tank, which is like, you know, you could ride from Auckland to Wellington and not stop at all, but you'd want to stop. So <laughs> it's one of those yeah, I think you're right. Like it'll get to a certain point where maybe 300 Ks of range is plenty yeah. and the charging infrastructure by then will be so good that people just won't worry. No, yeah, I think as, we, as we transition the, sorry, Ray, I keep cutting you off there. Um, <laughs> as we transition the, like uh, a lot more drivers into like electric cars as well, I think uh, people will become more familiar whether they have one or like maybe their parents have one or like their yeah, partner totally. has one or whatever. Like they will, they will understand the mechanics of, oh yeah, you just drive out, you know, halfway on a road trip and you pull over and you charge up and you carry on. Like that will become a normal thing that we understand and they, you won't have the questions around, well, how am I going to charge my bike? But I, I do understand like it's still kind of new for a lot of people and yeah, that you, you have to become familiar with how it all works. Yeah. I'm going to come back to those um, race bikes, oh, but I just wanted to um, throw in some figures here because I've just done some some quick maths. Now, Sam, you mentioned there's a, a reasonably new zero on Trade Me at the moment. Uh, and I saw, I think asking price was about 20 grand. Um, working that out, if I was to buy that and purely pay it back using the money I'm saving on fuel, six and a half years. Well, it depends how, how much you ride, right? It does, but I'm, I'm talking uh, commuting. So if we were to say, okay, it costs 50 bucks to fill my tank for a week uh, compared to essentially 5 to $6 per tank, uh, using oh, well, the that... money saved there, 
and putting yeah. that money into the purchase price of the bike that's six and a half years to me that's not bad but how long because i know this is a big question for a lot of people is how long what's the life of the bike yeah that's a that's a great question because um i had my zero for six years and the battery was fine but the motor died so so it depends uh i don't know it depends what kind of issues you have i guess Aside from that, really, I, I didn't have any issues. And the battery, see, that that's the thing. People think that the batteries will just run out after five years and you'll have to throw them in a landfill, um, which totally isn't the case. You could just recycle them or, you know, upgrade and get an even lighter, cheaper battery that goes further by then. You know, after five years, tech improves so much, you know. Um but yeah, I, I wouldn't really worry about it. I, I think we're at the point with batteries now where the vehicle will degrade sooner than the battery. Um, so replacing it won't even happen really in the in the lifetime of the of the bike. Um, okay, so yeah, we, you, we're going to quickly um, go to uh, a, a super quick break here because we're running out of time in the Zoom call. We're going to have to restart that. Uh, so uh, we're going to uh, quickly break to our winter riding tip with our friends at Protect Your Insurance. Uh, and we'll be back talking more electric motorcycles with Sam Baker from New Zealand and Todd Heslin, our resident racer, in two seconds. Winter riding tips with Protector Insurance. They have your back even in the worst conditions. Practice braking. It's a really good idea to not only practice your emergency braking, but practice your low traction braking. When riding in winter, you may be faced with patches of ice or all on the roads, especially at intersections. Too many people come up to an intersection with both feet hanging, relying on their front brake. If you had a bit of oil there, you'll be down before you know it. Use more of the rear brake for that last five metres of a controlled stop. Think of how you brake on wet grass. Find an empty car park or quiet industrial area where you can practice your braking. Get up to 50 kilometres per hour, then slam on the brakes. If your bike is equipped with ABS, then feel what it's like to lock up the brakes. If you don't have ABS, then be careful, but see how quickly you can come to a stop with both brakes. Practicing now will help your body to know what to do and what to expect should you need to do an emergency stop in a real-world event. Consider a Ride Forever course in the winter months. There's a lot to learn and you don't know what you don't know. Winter Riding Tips With Protector Insurance Insurance for motorcycles by motorcyclists See protectorinsurance.co.nz for a quote today That's P-R-O-T-E-C-T-A insurance.co.nz Okay, and thank you very much, Protector Insurance. Um, Sam, uh, insurance on uh, electric bikes, just while we're talking insurance, is, is it any more expensive than um, than conventional ICE bikes? Uh, not really, but um, it depends on the, the power to weight, right? So my Zero, they call it a 750cc bike, so it's pretty expensive. And then the Energica is like a leader bike, so... Um, it's about, I think I pay like 1500 a year, which is a lot of money, but uh, it's for full coverage on a, you know, $45,000 bike. So I, I think it's about fair. It's it's, that's three cost times the cost of mine at three times the value of mine. So mine's, my Tiger's <laughs> insured 15 grand. So it's like, yeah, okay. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Makes so if you get to motonz.com, you'll be able to check out uh, the online calculation tool to get yourself a quote. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, protect your insurance, uh, track day cover. They're going to give you the 50 bucks back for your, um, for your Ride Forever course. And uh, they're going to cover your uh, motorcycle gear in the event of a crash or, or stolen as well, which is really, really good. Um, but we are talking electric motorcycles with uh, Sam Baker from New Zero Land and Todd Heslin, our resident racer. Uh, and I want to drill down into some of those facts and figures on the electric bikes. So right now we've been talking Triumph TE1, which is unobtainium. You won't get your hands on it. There's a few zeros <laughs> on the market. Livewire is out there as well. Of course, Harley Davidson created Live created Livewire. They've spun it off as its own thing. Uh, Energica, you're not going to see them probably in dealers, but definitely they're uh, available. Oh, uh, you might. You might yeah. actually. So they're in talks with a dealer in Hamilton, I want to say. Um, Ooh, exciting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which dealer or where, or maybe it just be a rumor right now. But they do want to set up a dealer in New Zealand because they have one in Australia now, and uh, I think it's all going to be this big branch of uh, English Electric Motor Company that has set up Australian Electric Motor Company, and then maybe New Zealand too. So you might mm. be seeing more Energicas in New Zealand. Well, there you go. You're learning something. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got your smaller capacity. I want to say capacity. That's probably the wrong term for something electric. Um, scooters, for want of a better term. The FT in motion, um, designed and built here in New Zealand, in Wellington, the Street Dog, and the Go-Charged Velociraptor, which I've ridden, and didn't have amazing things to say about. Um Sam, you, what do you know about the street dog from FT in Motion? So I've ridden that a couple of times and um, I'm friends with the, the owner of the number one street dog. And so I got to ride that one and uh, it's basically a moped. It's, you know, limited to 50 Ks an hour and has a three kilowatt hub motor, uh, which is, you know, basically the same as a Super Soko or a Velociraptor. They're all kind of, you know, 50 K an hour mopeds for, People that don't, you know, you don't need a license to ride it, which is kind of cool. Um, but you don't need a wise, motorcycle license. You need a car license, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, no motorcycle license, which is, I don't know how I feel about that, but I guess it helps students and stuff who, you know, just, yeah, anyway. Um, I I probably wouldn't buy one just because the, the street dog is 10 grand compared to the Velociraptor, which is like five grand and Super Soko, five grand, kind of the same deal. Um, it's really hard to compete with China, I think is, is what it comes down to. Um, same thing with Upco, um, also made in New Zealand, also 10 grand and kind of the same, you know, well, it's, it, that one at least has, it's all wheel drive, like it's, or two wheel drive, I mean. So it has a hub motor in the front, which is unique. And it's great for off-roading and stuff, um, but it's just too expensive for what it is. They also do an interesting um, uh, model, a business model where, and, and when you're talking Upco, it's the um, they're big in the agricultural sector. They're also probably the electric bikes you've seen delivered. Uh, Domino's have a bunch of them. Um, yep. So your pizza might be delivered by one. Uh, interesting business model in that. Uh, there is the opportunity to not own it, but to lease it and have all the maintenance covered, um, which I, oh, I just thought was an interesting fact, uh, you know, fact there. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Um, well, I was looking up on NZTA to see all the electric motorcycles that are registered in New Zealand, just to see, you know, how many zeros there were. Um, cause there are about 20 zeros here now. Uh, and not very many Energicas. I think like four are registered. Uh, but Upco, there are hundreds. So that's the biggest electric motorcycle brand in New Zealand that, you know, or the most registered at least. Is that a cool fact that of the four Energicas that have been registered, you have owned, you have registered 75% of them? <laughs> yeah. 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 And actually, <laughs> uh, well, I own two and a half now. So. So All right, hang on. There's something here I haven't picked up on. You, I know you've got two, you and your lovely partner. Where's the mm. third? Uh, oh, the, well, the third one, the original one that, yeah, I sold that and it's up in Auckland now. Um, I had an Ego, the sport bike with the full fairing. Right. Uh, I sold it to right. a guy here and then somebody bought it and rode it up and did a big road trip. Uh, and then I have another one, a parts bike, which was, uh, I can't really say where I got it from, but. You know, I, I got it from like it fell off a truck in Italy, kind of mafia deal. Um, and I'm going to take that apart and put all the drivetrain into a little K car from Japan. That's, that's cool. the plan. Yeah. One okay. of the guys who is, um, uh, who does bucket racing with me has a Aprilia RS125, I think it is, frame. Uh, and he's going to build a bucket electric bike um oh, to awesome. race and i was like well, so what are the rules on the buckets he's like no nope, no one's done it so i guess i'm just gonna race it and people can figure out the rules after <laughs> wow nice wait was that um sam nipia nope okay all right because he was also doing a bucket racing like an electric one but he never finished it oh okay yeah this is yeah. um dean foster so um he's okay. um raced up at kaitoki um he's got a couple of different bikes I, I raced one of his bikes and um yeah he's gonna build an electric so sweet see how it goes yeah i i think on a little go-kart track i i personally think like track riding is like awesome for electrics because as you found on the track day like you do your you know 20 minute session and you're pretty toasted and then your bike is charging while you're like getting water and just like taking a rest before your round is up so like yeah. the idea of like a short stint and plug in kind of matches the rider at that point yeah totally and the torque um yeah, like you don't really have to worry about what gear you're in. You could just just mash it. Um, like, uh, have you guys ever ridden or, or driven uh, electric go karts? No, I would love no, to. I haven't. No, because because like compared to the other ones that kind of bog down if you're in you know the wrong RPM range or whatever, like they're just the power is always there and it just launches you every corner. It's amazing. So I'm totally. assuming a little bucket racing bike. You know, even though it has the same power as a an internal combustion bucket racer, it would probably be faster. Yeah, it's interesting because the the so buckets are what 150 cc's. They have to build them really light because they've got bugger all torque. So mm -hmm. what's interesting is that an electric one could be a little heavier, but you're going to have instant torque immediately. So yeah. it, you can't. The whole trade off is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd really love to see how it goes. I think electric go-karts would be amazing. The, you know, like indoor go-karts, the worst part is you go in there and there's just fumes everywhere. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's not even like a, a two-stroke motocross stadium where it's like, oh, I'm enjoying this. It is just like, blah. So yeah. Um, yeah, an electric one would be amazing. I would love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they I, have those in the States and I, uh, I, I got to try those and it's just a totally different experience. Um, yeah. 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 I think 
a lot of people have this question and i'm hoping you can break it down for us sam todd you might have some input in on this as well sliding factors when it comes to an electric bike you've got your battery size your voltage uh when i say battery size capacity your voltage of your motor um and and weight i'm assuming is a big part of it if you were to equate those factors to an internal combustion bike can you translate that for me like fuel tank size what is 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 the battery capacity is the fuel tank size but the oh yeah yep and then your yeah, um your voltage equates to your your engine capacity uh oh not really it's kind of the how much power the petrol has in a way <laughs> so so your battery capacity would be the gas tank size and then the voltage would be like how powerful that like how the high octane i guess maybe is that a good analogy i don't know yeah it's, like it's you, tricky because like you're not always like voltage isn't the single limiting factor or single single contributing factor to getting power to the wheels so if you think of like a like ic bike like conventional bike you generally would go with like how big the engine is will determine how much power comes out unless it's like a harley and then like you have mm. a big capacity and you got no power but um so i think one of the things that i learned about electrics is that cooling really really matters um and the cool the, the quality and the power of the cooling system and the technology of the cooling system has a a uh, um, big contributing factor to how much power you can actually get out safely um and then ultimately how long it all lasts um do you know much about the cooling systems uh yeah well at least with energica the the motor and controller are cooled they're liquid cooled uh, the battery is still air cooled um which is really only only an issue when you're charging because it charges so fast that it'll eventually heat up and then the the charge rate will throttle down a bit so it'll just take longer. But um, yeah, my issue with the Zero was that everything's air-cooled, um, which was great for like low maintenance because there's no coolant to, to flush, uh, no, nothing really to leak out. But the, the issue was that, you know, going uphill or racing or doing any of that, like the cliffhanger, it, it just, uh, it would throttle down power immediately because the, the motor would overheat. And so the Energica just solved that problem there's absolutely no power loss or overheating at all that's something you said when you were on track though right uh when you're at a hundred percent battery you've got uh, a level of power but as the battery yep. level drops you lose power yeah so as the the state of charge drops so like you know if you're at 50 percent battery for example you don't have full voltage anymore so instead of 300 volts it might be 270 volts or something i don't really know the numbers but so the power is volts times amps, kind of the, like at your, your wall socket, you'd combine 230 volts by 10 amps, and then that, that gives you your kilowatts. And so that's, uh, that's how the motor gets all the power. Um, so you, you'll go from like the Energica has 126 kilowatts and at 50% battery, it might have a hundred kilowatts instead of, instead of full power. Uh, which is why it's which, so important to recharge between sessions. Yeah. Comparing that to an internal combustion engine, you don't lose power yep. when you drain the tank. Yeah, you'd actually go faster because your bike is lighter weight. 
<laughs> so it's it's the totally opposite. Like as the day goes on, your bike gets slower, but you get faster because you're you're better at it. So it's it's this like struggle that I'm going through right now. It's so a whole new world. It really is. Like this this is mm. everything we've constructed around motorcycles in history is is suddenly blown out of the water when you're talking electric like we used to only be able to ride up to 250 cc and now i'm like hang on 250 cc that's engine size that has nothing on electric so you got to work i guess that's why lamb's bikes are worked out on a power to weight ratio right yep yeah so only yeah the only electric bikes that are lambs approved um that are like proper electric bikes or maybe they evoke um which they sell in auckland i think i haven't ridden one but those are like i don't know 10 or 20 kilowatts and so they they factor into the lambs and then a few zeros that are like a zero s just doesn't have the same kind of power um but yeah it's a good point hey sam um i uh, I'm going to ask you to tell the story, but I'm going to tell people to go and watch the video as well. Tell us about what you did to go to Taco Bell. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of, a, it was like a range test. I wanted to see how far I could go in a day. And after watching long way up the, you know, you and McGregor on live wires going, going all the way up to the Americas and just how, how poorly planned that was. And just like, they, they just, they said they could only go hundred miles in a day. And that wasn't my experience with electric motorcycles at all. And so I wanted to prove that you could go in a day way more than hundred miles. And so I went, it was, uh, it was 711 kilometers. So I think it was 440 miles. Um, and I, I stopped and charged nine times just because my bike at the time didn't have uh, like that much of a range. So, that was, it worked out for me because it was a sport bike and it was really uncomfortable. Um, so I'd ride for an hour, charge for 15 minutes, ride for another hour, stop for another 15 minutes. Um, and it, yeah, I just did it and I did it in 12 hours and I want to try and do it again on this new bike because I was mapping out the route and instead of nine charging stops, I'll only have to stop three times to, to do the same distance. And from where to where? From Wellington to Auckland. Yep. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Wellington to Auckland. Cause at the time, <laughs> two years ago, two years ago, yeah, there was only one Taco Bell in New Zealand and it was in Auckland. And so I, I just really wanted Taco Bell for some reason, but now since there's so many Taco Bells, I want to plan a trip from North to South and hit all of them. So, <laughs> that's Taco the perfect Bell route breakfast. too. Yeah. <laughs> diarrhea I feel for, like after that much Taco Bell though, you're going to have to stop more frequently uh, and yeah. for another reason. <laughs> yeah 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 and unfortunately at charging stops so far there aren't there aren't uh, bathrooms unlike unlike petrol stations where they're like little supermarkets charging stations are kind of out you know on their own which sucks yeah well did you um i know you were riding in the dolomites in italy but um do you know what the charging infrastructure looks like in italy because i know they've got really good you know, off the road, um, like the, the service areas where there's like 
where you would fill up your car with fuel, but then you would have like food and like a play area and plenty of facilities and everything else. And it kind of sucks that sometimes in like country like New Zealand and even Australia, like these big rest stops aren't as common, meaning that you don't always have this. Do you know if they are supporting the electric charging as well in, in Europe? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, cause I, yeah, before going to the Dolomites, I was wondering, you know, how long the test ride was going to be and if we'd stop and charge, like, you know, if it was more than 250 Ks, uh, but that, that wasn't the case at all. There were like, there were charging stations everywhere, even in the middle of nowhere mountains and the Dolomites, uh, which is pretty cool. And a lot of those charging stations have the solar covered roof things. So you can charge in the rain and, the stations themselves are solar powered, which is just like, it's great for, you know, charging in the middle of nowhere. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. To think about like putting in the infrastructure for a new petrol station is kind of pretty crazy. And I don't know if you guys have seen what happens when they pull out a petrol station and the site is like sitting there for 20 years needing to be remediated. It's like a, it's a pretty sad site than when they pull out a petrol station. Um, well, I actually have oh, seen it more thanks. in Australia. I'm guessing it's the same in New Zealand, um, hmm. but it's pretty bad. But I guess we take it for granted that there's just petrol stations everywhere now. So we don't really think about the cost of putting one in or taking one out. But when you put in uh, a new electric charging spot, I'm guessing as long as there's high voltage somewhere and they're just going to tap into it, um, it's just a matter of setting up that infrastructure and that's it. And you can pull it out and there's really no environmental cost of pulling it out. Like you don't need to remediate the site or anything. Yeah, true. Yeah, there are a lot of places where I wish we had fast charging, like at you know, racetracks would be awesome. Cause then it'd be like if you had a Tesla or some other fast EV car, you could take it there or, you know, just recharge your bike. But I think in general, unless you're doing crazy long distance trips to Taco Bell, uh, most people just charge at home, which is way more convenient than, you know, going out to a petrol station, filling up that takes, you know, it, it only takes a few minutes, but it takes a few minutes and you have to ride out there instead of, just plugging in at night and you wake up with a full tank of gas every day. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's something it's like, it's, it's part of the, the total change of the way you think about your vehicle that you don't have to go anywhere to fill it up because it's already full. Let's bring this conversation back to the, the bikes that we mentioned right at the start, the Triumph TE one, uh, zeros in there, live wire, Energica, and Ducati's uh, V21L. So you mentioned Ducati are taking over essentially uh, Moto E from Energica. Um, have they have they done a good job? Are there any gaping holes in that bike? What do we need to look for? What's going to happen in the world of Moto E and motorcycle racing in general? Um, yeah, you mean Energica wise or Ducati wise? I was more thinking from a racing perspective. Is this a good move for? Uh, for motorcycle racing, is this a is this a? Oh yeah, um, definitely. Is it more of a um, an evolution, or is it a step forward? Are we are we talking about going from the difference of between you know uh, the the V8s when they brought in um, uh, Nissan and and the other brands that they brought in, or is this is this a a complete shift? Break it down for us, because um, I, I don't know anything about this. Well. Yeah. So the way I see it is it's still so early. It's so early in the electric vehicle world. Cause like Energica has only been around for six or seven years. Uh, Tesla has been around 10 years and 
you know, they're already destroying everybody. So, but electric motorcycles are still kind of catching up. Like they're not, they're not nearly to where MotoGP is, for example. Um, but in all the stuff that Energica has learned doing Moto E, racing their bikes, like crashing them, um, overheating them, doing all this stuff, they've learned so much that has trickled down into the production bikes. And so the production bikes are better than anybody else because of racing. And so I, f- I feel like racing is really important, um, not necessarily for other people to get race bikes, but just to get that technology down to, you know, street bikes. So is and it going to be hard for Triumph to keep up with Ducati now that Ducati has uh, the contract for all the Moto e-bikes? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Because Ducati is going to learn a lot, definitely. But whether or not they actually can make street bikes, because they've already, you know, they're, everything's carbon fiber. And so they're going to be crazy expensive if they decide to sell them. Um, I, I don't think they're actually taking it seriously to, to make production electric Ducatis, but Triumph might. So I feel like Triumph actually might do better in, you know, changing, uh, changing the market, I guess, or adding to it at least. Is there a better bike between the Ducati V21L and the Triumph TE1? Uh, it's hard to say now. I, I feel like the Ducati is better just because it has a bigger battery and Ducati has way more money. Um, they have Volkswagen behind them. And so uh, I feel like their bike is, is going to be better. It has a higher top speed too. It can go 170 plus. Um, but in terms of a bike that we'll actually get, it's probably just going to be the Triumph. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, um, if you think of like Ducati already has a very premium price point for their existing bikes, right? So if they wanted to productionalize what they produce, they probably could sell it for 60 grand and still be able to sell it because it's a Ducati. Like they've got, uh, they've got a bit of gravitas behind. Yeah. You're going to pay more for a Ducati and you, you do that and you whinge about it, but you're really proud that you paid more than everyone else. Like, it's just that part yeah. of the brand. Like, yeah, I paid $3,000 for my service. Like it's just, a guy it's, that <laughs> wants to buy an angry bird. <laughs> Shh. So, but then what's interesting with triumph though, and, and I think what's been really smart is they look the, the TE one. If you look at the specs, it is pretty much spot on to their speed triple except for the weight, which is only 20 Ks more. And that's really negligible because that's the difference between like a fat guy and a really fat guy. Like, it's just like, not really that (laughs) it's not like a a really big difference. Right. So Mm. when you, when you look at triumph, then they've got this speed triple and they've got the speed triple and street triple that kind of look similar shape. And then they've got a few variations on it, but they've got a pretty similar platform and they should be able to produce an electric bike that fits into that, like a variation of that kind of sport naked style bike and sell it at a reason, like a, a slight premium, but they should be able to bring that down over time. Like, I, I think it's a really smart move for them to be able to build this as a prototype and release it when they can slot it in that lineup and say, yep, we can kind of tick all, all boxes and mass produce all three of them. I agree that Ducati is probably not taking it seriously. I think they're just doing the racing thing because they can, and it gives them an option on the table where if they actually really learn a lot and they figure out how to make it cheap, then they can do it in the future. But they probably have no way of learn, like going through this learning phase without doing the racing. Like they have to do the racing. It doesn't really fit into their line otherwise. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, one one cool thing that I like about electrics is that you can put as much power as you want into that motor, and there's no Euro five, Euro seven, or whatever the smog like emissions testing thing. You can you can do whatever you want with EVs, and as soon as they realize that, you know, you can have a 200 horsepower electric bike. Um, then they'll be way more competitive and people will pay whatever they want for it. What's yeah. wrong with the live wire? Uh, I think the live wire is great. It doesn't have that much range. Like it can go 160 Ks ish. Um, but yeah, I mean, it charges fast and it's, it's really quick. Like the acceleration is amazing. It's, it's belt drive. So it's quiet like a zero. Um, I think they're awesome. Yeah. We actually would have bought one if energy wasn't so much better because because they're well, really that's, that's what that's where I can't, i'm kind of leaning towards here like um obviously harley's got some issues but with themselves and their image and that's probably why they've spun it off as its own thing i get that but why why is energica so much better or the bike you have the evo rebelli so much better than the live wire is it is it down to i, I guess it's got to be down to its design doesn't it well, so build quality is pretty much the same because the, the live wire is built really well and like all the, the panel gaps are just perfect and, you know, the quality, quality, everything really, Brembo brakes and all that stuff. But the Energica has more power, um, bigger battery, more range. It charges faster. It's just, and it's, and it's Italian, so it's sexier. I don't know. That's, that's kind of the reason why we went with them. And then also the company is just awesome. Like they... They really take care of you. I mean, they flew us to Italy to get a tour of the factory and stuff just because we're riders. So it's pretty amazing. So I guess it's just, it's tied with the same brush then, the live wire. It's electric and Kiwi riders aren't ready for electric or they're not willing to embrace it yet. Is it is that kind of the issue then? Because there's, there's bugger all live wires and that's not necessarily because of supply. But then there's bugger all and educas, but mainly because of there's a fact there's no dealer. Yeah, well, that's a hard one because I mean the live wire over here sold for fifty grand, and so there's a there's a steep entry already. Um, and then most Harley riders just want to be seen and more heard. They don't really, yeah, they they don't they don't feel safe unless they're really loud. And so uh, I don't know. It just doesn't really interest a lot of people, but. I feel like oh, everybody who's written loud pipes save lives. I mean, you you must be about ready to <laughs> ready to cut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was the case, then no one would ever hit a Harley, right? But it happens all the time. Um, <laughs> and I could hear yeah. you on the track when you were full open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the the coolest thing in riding in traffic, it sounds kind of like a cop car, like the the whine of the reduction gear. So people just pull out of the way. It's great. You've um, had quite but, a bit of negative, um, negative. You've had you've you've had quite a bit of negativity from random people, haven't you? Oh yeah, all the time. Just you know, people who've never ridden them. I think that's the issue. Like you know, whoever is has ridden either a zero, a live wire, or an Ergica always comes back with a smile, and it's it's really hard not to because they're so freaking torquey. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody really expects that. I think, you know, you look at them and they like, they don't have gears. And so they wouldn't be as fun. Right. 
but they're just they're so much more fun because they're they're just different and uh i think that's the only way to convince people that electric is is a good potential future is that they're already super fun to ride and they just have to go ride them just to give them a chance what what kind of negativity do you get on you know, what's the more common um comments that you get uh, uh mostly that there's there's silent they're just soulless i guess which i i kind of understand you know when you start up an engine it's kind of like you turn it on and you give it life and so it kind of has a soul um but that that really goes away pretty soon you know i, I feel like electrics are are good at replacing the soul with insane amounts of torque and so you just forget all about that and it just becomes like a video game mm. uh, that's an inter- interesting way of putting it yeah yeah there's there's a lot of negative or negativity i guess around the batteries because people think they're worse than um you know drilling for oil and then transporting that oil and burning the oil and then restarting that all over again um instead of just like recharging the battery i don't know there's there's this whole like internet culture against everything new so i don't know i don't let it bother me really because i'm the one having fun on an electric bike i gotta be real honest i got real jealous uh when i saw your bike on track and i just went man i want oh, one of <laughs> well, you guys them. need to ride it um next time we meet up you, you'll have to ride it just to see what it's like see like I don't know, understand why I'm so crazy about them. And I started a whole YouTube channel about these things because yeah, I, I'd like to get your reactions too. Um, as, as petrol bike riders and racers and stuff. Yeah, well, I took Ray for his first drive in a, in a Tesla the other day. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, he, he got the first experience of, uh, being thrown back into the seat. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I backing out of the driveway and I knew that it didn't have an engine, but I'm just like, this is too quiet. This feels like we're just rolling backwards down a driveway <laughs> with, you know, no brakes. It feels weird, but man, the, uh, the talk you get from an electric motor is just savage and ridiculous. Yeah. It's nauseating. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Hey Sam, have you ever, um, been in the like model S like, P100 or whatever they have, or the Plaid or whatever's the most recent Tesla high performance. No, no, no. The, I think the fastest one was a Model 3 performance. Okay. Um, which is, it's still really, really quick, like three and a half seconds. But uh, the Plaid, I can't even imagine under under two seconds. It's 1.9 now. Yeah, like, it's that's crazy. Stupid. <laughs> Back uh, like three, three or four years ago, um, actually it would be about four or five, um, Tesla in Australia gave me a press car, which was the P100, um, P100D, I think it was, I don't know. Um, but it was like the top spec Model S at the time. Uh, and it was just nuts. Like I took all my family for, for a drive and like every single one of them was like, oh, I feel sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's a proper rocket ship. And to, I think to feel that on a motorcycle, it would be pretty incredible. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. I, I, I know. I, I'm wondering, like, I know we don't have too much longer to go, Ray, but you know, in, when it comes to like I think of electric cars and there's this whole conversation around range. And I just wonder like over time, do, does the battery technology get good enough where it's like you get 1500 kilometers range out of a electric car. And then like, we all forgot that we even had this conversation. Cause it's like, well, that was dumb because who's going to have, yeah. <laughs> who's going to care about range anymore when you got like 1500 and it's only getting better every year. Um, yeah. do, do you think like that would be similar with like 
um, electric motorcycles, or do you think it might be the opposite where the range kind of will get fixed, but the price might eventually just get really, really cheap where people will be like, you know what, this is just such a smarter option. Uh, I hope both really, because <laughs> don't be greedy. Cheaper. Well, no, no, like, um, like batteries are getting cheaper every year. And so, uh, in theory, they'll get better and cheaper and eventually we'll have something that weighs nothing and is, is super small and we'll get a thousand Ks of range. Um, but I have a question for you guys. What would it take to get you guys to go electric? For like me, what, and what I was kind of literally range? just thinking this, I would go yeah. electric tomorrow. The thing that's stopping me is the, the barrier of price to purchase mm. the bike. Um, yeah. you know, with a young family and, uh, I already have a motorbike in the garage, $20,000 for the zero that you mentioned listed on trade me is just a fraction above what I can manage right now. But if yeah. I can justify it to, I can pay it off in X amount of time by saving X amount of fuel or money on fuel, then, you know, it's, it's almost to the point where I can, I can do it but it's just that the entry cost. Yep. That's, I think that's the thing that I've heard the most is that they just need to get the cost down. Um, Cause if you compare it to even a newest, like, I don't know, MT09 or something like that, which is kind of comparable to where zeros are at now, it's easily a third of the price for the, for the Yamaha. So it just doesn't really make sense to go electric. Um, mm. Not yet at least. Yeah. Not unless you're crazy like me. Where, where are you at, Todd, with our remaining four minutes? Uh, that's interesting. So I don't use a bike to com- commute, right? So that's not even a fact for me. Like I don't even have a comprehension of like how much my bike costs to run. Like I just, I, I use it when I use it and then I fill it up when I need to. So like, I don't really think about that. I, I think I struggle. I, I struggle with the adventure bikes in this way where it's like trying to find the, the unicorn bike, the one bike that does everything. And the only way I've solved this is by having multiple bikes <laughs> because it's like really hard to like just have one bike that kind of fits every need. But if I think of like maybe the pulling out like the touring kind of part, um, what would it take? It is expensive, but I think the thing that catches me is like, I, I've never bought a new bike. Like I always buy bikes that are like five to 10 years old. Like everyone I've owned has been in that range. So like, if it's like, if I was buying a new bike, then it's an interesting situation to say, Oh, I could probably just pay a bit more and I could get like an electric that, that could actually be tempting. But I'm never at a place where I actually like consider buying a new bike because normally I'm like, ah, I'll just buy one that's five years old. Like that's good enough for me. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would have to be at a place because obviously electrics are new. I would have to be at a place where I'm willing to buy a new bike to even consider or in a few years time where like the current models are like a few years old, then that would be in the range that I would be looking at. And then I wouldn't see why I wouldn't at that point. It's mm, a good point. Yeah, we need an electric used market of bikes. I feel like that's there with zeros, just not in New Zealand yet. Yeah, what, what's been your experience? Not enough. <laughs> yeah. In in the US, is it much more developed? Oh yeah, you can get a used zero for eight grand ish. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, that's really good. I bought one for seven grand, and uh, it's great. Yeah, it lasted forever. And that's that's one thing about the batteries is that you can get a used one that's five years old, and the battery is fine. So it's still, still really good. Yeah. We're, we're just at the start. I, we've got, we've got a long way to go. And, uh, yeah. like 
I think culture and attitudes will change very rapidly um, as we start to see like used markets and people getting EVs in their family and everything else. Like all these things will compound. I think will happen sooner than most people realize. Like it, it seems like it's it, far in the future, but I think you know within a few years it'll be like, whoa, this is happening really quick. Yeah, definitely. bring us the future. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much, Sam, for your time joining us in the podcast, your knowledge. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface and I want to dive deeper into this. Um, I want to get you back on the show uh, when when there's more to talk about. Well, there's definitely more to talk about when we've got time. Um, so thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat and being so open with your 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 information. Uh, New Zealand is the channel on YouTube. Check that out. I think you need to change the, the name now to... Uh, New yeah. <laughs> Energica land, maybe? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, thanks for having me. Todd, thank you very much for joining us with your, your motorcycling uh, knowledge or your track wisdom. Um, great to have you along once again. All good. Fun to uh, come along and ask some questions. If you want to get in touch with us, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz is the email address. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok as well under Kiwi Rider Podcast. And the website is kiwirider.co.nz or anything I put together is at motonz.com. Otherwise, uh, he's Todd, he's Sam, I've been Ray. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Get the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs>